Welcome to the December 1st, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast, where we cover the biggest stories in Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day, forever. This is your host, Space Moraine, live from the surface of the sun. I'm on fire, like the cryptocurrency market cap has been in 2018. Jumping right into the market analysis. Bitcoin is sitting at $4,120 on Bitstamp, and I'm doing this show on the morning of December 2nd. So, throughout the first, Bitcoin actually rallied after midnight on the first. It was below $4,000, and then it spiked all the way up to about almost $4,300, about like $4,250 actually, on Bitstamp on the first. And then, right before midnight, it crashed back down all the way to $4,015. Right now, it's crawled up a bit to that over $4,100 level. Bitfinex continues to have a higher Bitcoin price than the rest of the world. It's around $4,220. So that premium on Bitfinex is actually like 2 to 3%. And it seems to have settled out in the 2 to 3% range. It's stable in that range. And it's at that range because the withdrawal fees on Bitfinex are actually higher by 2 to 3% than like everywhere else. So because it costs more money to take Bitcoin out of Bitfinex and put it into Bitfinex, it costs more to buy Bitcoin there. It's harder to get money in. Tether, which is intimately related to Bitfinex, has a $1.85 billion market cap right now. The market cap hasn't gone up since they restored parity, but yes, Tether is still very close to parity. It's at 99.7 cents, and it's really steadied out near parity. You can look, I'm looking at the seven-day chart, which is included in like a little snippet on altcoin market cap listings, and... It looks like about like four days ago, that's when it hit parity again. Finally, it hasn't been at parity since early October. Like pretty much in September, Tether was at parity. And then by the time the first few days of October came around, it started losing parity. But Tether has definitely been at parity for like four days now. So it is back to being a stable coin. And that's good for the entire crypto economy. Because people are depending on Tether as their USD analog. And it's quicker to send Tether between exchanges for arbitrage reasons than to send fiat between exchanges. So people that do arbitrage really like Tether and stablecoins, but there's a couple of other stablecoins too. TreeUSD, actually more than two. TreeUSD is at $198 million market cap. It's quite stable. It's actually above a dollar though. It's at a dollar and two cents. And USD coin is at $178 million. It's at a dollar and one cents. And one thing I noticed about USD coin, uh, since Tether restored parity, is that USD coins market cap is not going up at all. True USD rose up maybe a few million dollars, but it's not going up much either. Before they were going up by leaps and bounds, and they were starting to look like they were going to really compete with Tether's market cap. They're definitely strong competitors. I mean, we're talking market caps approaching two hundred million dollars a year for each of them, but I don't think they're going to approach Tether's market cap like for the foreseeable future at all. They might just kind of pause out near this level. I don't think people are going to sell off their USD coins and buy Tether because whoever made that conscious decision. To like get USD coin or true USD instead of tether, they're probably gonna stick with it and it would function just as good. But yeah, I don't think it's gonna grow as much as it used to because before the tether users that were getting disenfranchised by tether, they're not being stable, were the ones coming to these new stable coins. And then we have Paxos Standard, it's at $168 million market cap. And I think Paxos actually went up a little bit in its market cap. And then if we look at the volumes, true USD is at $25 million of volume. USD coins at $11 million of volume, and Paxos standards at $70 million of volume. So Paxos is being used more than all the other alternative stable coins, I guess if you want to call it that. And then look at Tether, $3.2 billion of volume. So Tether is literally just like absolutely the most supreme 
reigning stablecoin, and that's not going to change anytime soon. How are the rest of our crypto coins doing? Well, we talked about Bitcoin. It's at a $72.5 billion market cap right now. That's pretty decent. Um, well, it was as low as like probably $65 billion when it totally crashed out to 3500 or so. And then we have Ripple. It's actually below $15 billion now. So I believe Ripple was like around $16 billion maybe a couple shows ago. But yeah, Ripple's at $14.9 billion, 37 cents. Ethereum is at... It's holding its own. It's around $118. The price of Ethereum has actually been quite stable. Stellar, which is kind of like Ripple, is at $3.1 billion market cap. And then we get down to Bitcoin Cash ABC on the coin market cap listings. It's at number five. It has a $3 billion market cap. It's dropped below Stellar. It's at $173. And then Bitcoin, and then the evil cousin of Bitcoin Cash, or I don't want to call it evil, the the cousin that does not like Bitcoin Cash ABC, but they're very similar, Bitcoin SV, it's Satoshi Visions, created by Craig Wright, pretty much. It's actually over $100, so Bitcoin SV is gaining on ABC, Bitcoin SV is at $101, and this is Craig Wright's uh, child, pretty much. And, yeah, so, like, combined, Bitcoin Cash is kind of worth, like, $275 because anyone that had Bitcoin Cash ABC or Bitcoin Cash originally got ABC and then SV. So anyone that was a Bitcoin Cash holder would have both of them and that equals 275 Before the fork happened, it was like 600 And part of the reason the cryptocurrency market cap and market in general started to decline was because of the fork on November 14th. And that fork is mostly settling out and falling out anywhere you're left with Bitcoin SV and Bitcoin Cash, both worth a lot less combined than what Bitcoin Cash was worth originally. So that was not good for Bitcoin Cash, for the investors or traders, people trying to make money off it going up. People trying to short sell Bitcoin Cash, that might have been a good thing. And then we get down to EOS. EOS is just constantly, consistently losing market cap. It's around $2.6 billion or now, less than $3 per EOS. And... Litecoin at $34. It's doing a little better. It's over $2 billion market cap again. And then Cardano is the last crypto. It's at number 10. That's above a $1 billion market cap, even though there's a couple really close. Cardano is kind of like a scientific version of Ethereum. That's what they said on their website when I looked it up once. And Cardano is at $1.076 billion market cap. It's up a little today. Monero is the number one privacy coin. It's like Bitcoin's pretty anonymous, but... Bitcoin has like a blockchain explorer and all the addresses are public. I mean, the addresses for Bitcoin are like a long string of letters and numbers. And if you use like a VPN and change your address every time, it could be pretty much anonymous. But Monero is really, really anonymous. Like, yeah, it's like untraceable pretty much if you use Monero. But for some reason, it didn't catch on as hard as quickly as people thought. And it's down to $60. It used to be over $100 not that long ago. And Monero is just below a billion dollar market cap. I bet... Based on whatever exchange rate you use, it could be a billion or more. But it's at $996 million on CoinMarketCap. Tron is pretty close to a billion dollar market cap too. Really close. Within like a percent. It's at $991 million market cap. And Tron's kind of like one of the number ICO tokens. It's basically like... They actually bought BitTorrent. And they're supposed to be like a file sharing... Or like a, a content sharing thing for video creators or something like that. That's what Tron's supposed to be. And then they bought BitTorrent, which is like one of the number one peer-to-peer -peer torrenting services for file sharing from the past. So because they bought BitTorrent, but not originally. I mean, I think Tron was already up there on the ranks before they bought BitTorrent, but that definitely solidified their position. So they didn't like lose 
completely out when all the other ICO coins started kind of going downhill. I, I mean, no major ICO coin disappeared as far as I know, but Tron held its own more than the others is what I'm trying to say. IOTA, the number one directed to cyclic graph coins, holding near 30 cents. IOTA hasn't been crashing on much either. There are some real uses for IOTA, such as Internet of Things and storing data in a much more efficient way than with normal blockchains. And then we have Dash, the number one X11 coins at $93. I believe it was able to spec over 100 recently, but it lost a few percent. And then some, I guess it lost like 7% at least. And it's below $100 again at $93. And we could keep going down the list, and I'll mention a few more coins. I love Dogecoin. I always love Dogecoin. It's what got me into crypto. They're stable. They're at like $263 million market cap, like 0.00224 cents. So Dogecoin's doing okay. And I think long-term Dogecoin's actually going to be one of the top cryptos just because they have a strong community and they have a long history. And then we go down the list to basic attention token and 0x which were both added to Coinbase, and uh, 0x is at $227 million market cap, and basic attention token is at $207 million market cap. It's really interesting because they're right next to each other on the little coin market cap list. Before, they were not in the same spot, but now they're like right there together with almost the same market cap. It's kind of like, hey, Coinbase might be controlling the market dynamics with all the customers that buy it, and that might be a good thing for them, even though they've been going down a lot. Like, they went up a lot when they got listed on Coinbase, and then they went down a lot, but overall, they're kind of holding their own because they have all the U.S. customers able to buy it. I guess I could scroll down the list a little more and find just one more coin to talk about. Well, I see Digibyte down there. That's an old one. It's at $149 million market cap. And then... Steam. Yeah, Steam's always fun to talk about. They're down 3.5% today. Some other coins aren't really going down, but Steam's going down today. But they're back over... Well, they continue to be over $100 million market. They're at $105 million. Steam was like a dollar like a couple months ago. And they were like $8 during the peak of the rally. So Steam's only at $0.35. Cents, and Steam had to lay off a lot of their employees. And that was received positively by the traders and investors for Steam. But we'll see how that shakes out long term. And then we have Augur. So Augur was like one of the most talked about ICOs. It was like an oracle on the blockchain where you can like make prediction markets and stuff. And their market cap is below $100 million, $95 million. And I believe they don't have that many users. Like During the elections, Augur was pretty popular. So now, moving on to the first story of the day. The oldest university in Switzerland, the University of Basel, not the University of Basel leaves, which doesn't exist, but the University of Basel, has awarded Vitalik Buterin with an honorary PhD. So for all those people slaving around out there, trying to get their PhD working like 10 years as a slave for the professor just to get them to sign off on their paper, just know that you could make something amazing and take over the crypto space pretty much like Vitalik Buterin. And he didn't take over the crypto space, but he created a large chunk of it with his invention of Ethereum. And I think Ethereum is pretty good, actually. I've, used, I've started using it now. I like it. But yeah, he's been given an honorary PhD and that kind of just makes all the people trying to earn PhDs not feel so good because it takes a lot of work and he just got one and he kind of deserves it. He should be Dr. Vitalik Buterin because like, Ethereum's an amazing invention and if Satoshi Nakamoto was known, he would get an honorary PhD too. Like anyone that creates like the ultimate crypto, like Ethereum was number two for the longest time. I don't know if like Ripple's going to get a PhD. Well, maybe they could just buy one with some of the Ripple they hold in their supply. But yeah. Vitalik Buterin got his PhD, 
And this kind of like hypes up the university itself because it'd be like, wow, Vitalibuterans are alumni now. They could, like right now they can't say that, but in like a year or two or three, they could post on the website, our distinguished alumni, Vitalibuterin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because people won't remember that it was honorary because it really does count. It's a real PhD. So, yeah, he he had he didn't even have to go to school. He got the PhD. That's pretty cool. And then. Next story. Recent calculations show global mining energy supply to be mostly renewables-based. So CoinShares does studies on, like, I've seen some of their studies on cryptocurrency and blockchain in general. And they're saying most of the mining hash rate is supported by renewable energies. And this is something that's kind of known already. And they say, actually, that 77.6% of worldwide Bitcoin mining is conducted through the use of renewable energy sources. And we're talking, like, wind power, geothermal power, hydroelectric power. It's pretty much it. And that's most of the renewable energy. And, yeah, because renewable energy actually causes cheaper energy. So, this is how it works. So, like, if you have a hydroelectric dam and there's lots of water flowing through it, like, all the time, it actually, the grid, the power grid can't even use up all of its energy. Like, this happens in China, and China has most of the Bitcoin mining hash rate in the world, and most of the hash rate centered near those hydroelectric dams where they have excess energy, so it's a lot cheaper for energy there, and you need cheaper energy to make Bitcoin or crypto mining to work, because right now the crypto prices have gone down so much that one of the ways to get around that is to, like, have very cheap electricity costs, and that's only around renewable energy sources, and you're seeing the same thing in Iceland. Iceland has a tremendous amount of volcanoes and geothermal energy so there's a lot of bitcoin money in iceland because the energy there is cheaper they have like so much geothermal energy coming out of their plants they actually need bitcoin miners to use it or they would waste it so they give them a very low rate same with the hydroelectric dams in china and then in north america they're trying to like build hydroelectric dams for bitcoin but i think the taxes and also they like in quebec for example like it was working out well there was lots of bitcoin miners coming to quebec for the hydroelectric power but then they put a big tariff pretty much or i don't know what you want to call it like a tax like a higher price than usual for the bitcoin miners because the people in quebec were like wow they're gonna suck all the electricity out of our energy grid so it kind of depends on where you are in the world but most of the bitcoin mining is in china actually and also iceland there's a ton in iceland and that's mostly hydroelectric and geothermal power over there renewable energy sources so that's why those stats are coming out to like almost 75 percent or a little more now for our next story, apparently Asus, which is like a really popular computer manufacturer, has teamed up with Quantum Cloud, and they're going to have people that buy like gaming GPUs, like mine cryptocurrency with their idle GPU power, and I could see this kind of going either way. So if it works efficiently and correctly, the best thing that's going to happen is like their GPUs are going to be hot and running all the time, and their fans are going to be blowing all the time, and that's not going to be great. It uses a lot of electricity. Like, actually, it's well known that GPU mining it uses too much electricity to be profitable, but ASUS is integrating this finally. Like, they should have done this, like, years ago if they wanted this to work. So, Quantum Cloud and ASUS. So, Quantum Cloud's the one that's has, like, an app for, like, mining crypto that's, like, cloud-based or something. I don't know how it's cloud-based. It's not considered a cloud-based mining solution if you're doing it on your own computer. So... Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what they're saying here. It's, that's direct mining. That's not cloud mining when you do it on your own computer. And so when people are not playing video games, they will mine cryptocurrency and probably lose money. Like, they'll get some coins and be happy about it. And that's like a game, I guess. So that's what gamers want. I don't know. 
Probably not. They don't want to pay extra electricity bills and not get it, get enough cryptocurrency to cover it. But that's exactly what's going to happen. Literally, GPU mining is like obsolete. Like I don't think you could profitably mine with GPUs anymore. You could do it for fun and kind of expect a market to rise. You could expect the market to rise, but I don't think it's profitable at all at these current levels. And then let's say it's not efficient. Let's say you're trying to play like a video game like World of Warcraft or like whatever or Fortnite. I don't even know what Fortnite is, but I hear it's popular. So let's say you're trying to play your game, but the cloud mining app is like, oh, you have some idle GPU power. We're still going to mine. Like it might probably do that. Quantum Cloud probably wants to mine as much as possible because they probably get a mining pool fee. So they're going to like try to mine with any scrap of GPU power you have left. It might even compete with your video game. I could actually see graphics cards burning out a lot quicker than they should because you're mining with it all the time. It's hot all the time. So not only do you pay a higher electricity bill, your GPU gets compromised quicker because it's hot all the time. Plus, and like if your GPU starts to fail or get like decayed or whatever you want to call it for mining too much with it, that's going to hurt your video game performance. Plus, let's say it doesn't even get hurt, but it's just competing. Let's say it's like, oh, your video game's using like this much of the hash rate for your... um. GPU, but you have this much left, and we're going to mine with it right now, but then your video game's like, no, I need a little more, but it's already mining with it. It might compete and cause your game to lag out and stuff. I don't think it's a perfect thing, unless they totally turn it off when you're playing video games, so I, I can't, like, speculate and say for sure if this would actually hurt your gaming experience, but I think overall, if you're a gamer, like, if you're a video game person and you bought this expensive GPU, you probably don't want to mine with it. Because it'll just burn it out a lot quicker and you're not going to make profits at all. So I don't know why Asus would be doing this now. And that's all we have for you today on this December 1st, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Podcast. Come back tomorrow for another exciting episode and go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency analysis. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. Adios, amigos.